Over the last 15 years, John Jonas and his company OnlineJobs.ph have helped more than 100,000 companies successfully hire Filipino talent. In this interview, we talk about why John's struggles to use an agency to hire talent caused him to start his own company, what he's learned about delegating tasks to other members of his team, and why team members on John's team have stuck around with him for more than a decade. I've used onlinejobs.ph to successfully hire, and I suspect after listening to this interview, you might want to do the same. Here is my interview with John Jonas. I want to start off with this, you know, I don't know if it's a business aphorism or what have you, but, you know, Peter Thiel really popularized this idea that a great business is started on a secret, something that most of the world or you know, most of the market hasn't yet realized that the, the founder, the entrepreneur behind it is early to or kind of has an understanding that most people don't. So when you started online jobs up EH, talk about the the secret that you had that you felt like the rest of the market wasn't really yet privy to. So when I started onlinejobs.ph, I was just looking to I was just looking to find someone for myself. Like I was looking to recruit someone for myself. I wasn't I wasn't doing this to like have tons and tons of people using it, but I I didn't know that the Philippines was so amazing at the time. I didn't know how amazing it was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't recognize, I didn't know because I had just hired, I like, I had hired a couple of people and I knew like, this is an amazing experience. And I had hired people in India before and I had hired people in the U S before. And I, and I knew it was different. So the other, the other thing would be that like the Philippines culture just in, enables people, especially small businesses to, to experience something that they hoped existed, but they never thought did, um, where like you can hire this full-time person and they're super loyal and they're hardworking and they're honest and they're overseas. And so they kind of function as a normal U.S. employee, but, but they're not in the U.S. and you don't pay U.S. wages or taxes or, or legal things or anything like that. And that was, that was another thing that like most people don't realize you can hire someone full-time they're not an employee. They're an independent contractor. They're overseas. They're really, really talented. And, and that was, that was a big, that was a big thing for me when I, when I started. So I'm not sure that either of these things were really like motivation behind onlinejobs.ph, but they were things, they were things that were brewing for me. So, so maybe it wasn't the the catalyst or the initial founding why that, that took inspired you to action, but it is a business that has now been around for what sixteen seventeen years. Uh, let's see, I not that long. I started I started building it in two thousand eight. We launched it in two thousand nine. So it's it's been around for a while, which makes it an outlier statistically with other businesses. And I would say the fact that it had a secret like that that most of the market, you know, most of the market wasn't even really ready for the conversation around remote jobs in a non like, Hey, we're outsourcing this entire manufacturing facility and like picking it up and moving it to some other continent. There really just wasn't that, you know, adoption of, of, of telecommunications and work from anywhere. There were these, these, you know, relics of, you know, living in a, in a, a pre-digital physical world that, you know, a lot of the working world really didn't catch up to until 2020. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were definitely early in that. And, and we were early in going to the Philippines too. Like most, 
when I started in 2005, like the first person I hired in 2005, which by the way, he still works for me today. Um, the whole world was still going to India and, and I had tried India and it was a disaster. And, but people just thought, Oh, there's a billion people there. You've got to be able to find someone good. And, and you could, it's, it's just not the same. It's not, it's not, as, it's not nearly as easy. And that was, yeah, we were, we were definitely early in that. And so tell me about like what those initial hiring experiences were like and in creating onlinejobs.ph, like how are you solving for those problems? How are you reducing friction and making it more accessible? So the, the initial people that I hired, I hired through an agency, which that was part of the problem, why there was so much hesitation. Like, I, well, first of all, I, I wanted a content writer and I went to them and said, uh, I want a content writer. They said, do you want a webmaster or a programmer? I was like, no, I want a content writer. Well, do you want a webmaster or a programmer? I'm like, dude, I'll take a webmaster, right? <laughs> and, and their concept of webmaster, which really isn't all that different today in agencies, is uh, let's pull someone off the street. Let's give them the most rudimentary training we can. And here's your webmaster, right? Because the, the agency incentive is, uh, this is harsh for most people to hear. So the problem when someone doesn't work out with someone like an employer worker relationship, it's the employer's fault. It's not the worker's fault. And so the incentive for an agency is to test the employer. So they just pull someone off the street and see, does this employer make this work? If you're good at making it work, then yeah, well, like next time we'll put in some effort for you. But otherwise, sorry, like we don't really care who we give you because you're a crappy employer. It, it was just like, I was just trying things. How, how, do I, how do I find someone? Does this work? Can I hire someone? Like, are they actually good? Is this, because I had I'd gotten a really good tip. Uh, he, guy told me, make sure you go to the Philippines when you restart outsourcing some of the stuff. And I was like, huh, that's odd. And he was like, yeah, because in India, when you say something and they say, yes, that means, yes, I heard something come out of your mouth. Not, it doesn't mean, yes, I understood what you said. And, and I, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's super different. Like I went to hire these people for my business. I didn't go to hire them for onlinejobs.ph. You know, I didn't, I didn't intend to start the business. I was hiring them to work on affiliate stuff that I was doing and on content writing and on building websites that I was doing at the time. And, and then I started talking about it because people kept asking me. And, um, and finally, I, I was ready to recruit someone for myself. And I went back to the agency again, and they said the same thing. Do you want a webmaster or a programmer? And I was like, I want a content writer. But I had this idea and I was like, okay, I'll take a programmer. And, and that's kind of where it evolved from. Like I, I, was, I was like, okay, there's this problem of it, it's really hard to find good people. But there's this culture that I've seen that's really, really good. And so, yeah, I'll take a programmer. And so they, they found me a programmer. The guy was amazing. He still works for me today. Um, this was 2000, this is 2008. And um, so that's where we built online jobs. And the, so I, I was going to ask more about the platform, but you've now lived to folks that have worked for you for over a decade, I guess, my math is coming up in you know 13, 14 year range. What is the secret to retaining team members for that long? Because that's also one of the you know the tropes of that. That's from a previous era in the business world, and everyone just lily pads from job to job now. How how have you retained the team? 
So there are two things with that. Yeah, you're right. Like people, especially in the U.S., there's no loyalty anymore. People just jump. You get a better job offer, you're going to jump. And in outsourcing, that has historically been the case. Like how do you prevent people from just jumping when they get a better job offer? And we don't prevent it. The culture of the Philippines does. There's something, there's something with loyalty there almost to a fault. Of They're so loyal. But like, you, like you're asking, what do you have to do? So there, you do have to do something. Um, in the Philippines, so here in the U.S., when we go to hire someone overseas, we think, oh, I don't know if I can trust this person, right? And in the Philippines, they have that same feeling. I don't know if I can trust this employer, but their feeling is stronger than our feeling. And so to me, the key with keeping people for a long time out of the Philippines is gain their trust. And so that means you have to do things to gain their trust and you have to be a good boss and you have to treat them well and you have to treat them like a human because historically we think of people overseas or outsourced workers as robots. Like, oh, you, you did a crappy job. Just fire them and get another one. You know, like that, that's, that's such a common attitude. So this is an interesting side from this that, that I didn't know, but so most of the work in the Philippines is part-time and temporary. Like you'll find people in online jobs that you'll start to interview them. You'll say, when can, when can you start? Well, my contract ends on, you know, like a week from now. So I can start that day, right? Like, what do you mean your contract ends? Oh, my contract is for six months. What? And I didn't. I never understood this. This is. I went. I, I've only been to the Philippines once in 2010. I spent five weeks on a beach with my family, and we're in the grocery store. And I meet this person, and I start talking to him. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I go back to the Manila on this date." Like, what do you mean? Oh, I'm just here on a contract for six months. What? And then what do you do? Oh, I go find another job. You do this every six months. Yeah. That's insane. And I started asking and found this over and over again. So much of the work there is temporary and part-time. When you give them a full-time job, and, and not everything, not, don't get me wrong, not everything is, is temporary part-time or is part-time at all. There's a lot of full-time that's temporary and there's, there's full-time long-term. But when you give someone in the Philippines a long-term stable job that is full-time and they can support their family, man, it just like they really want to keep the job. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was thorough and it, it's incredibly valuable. And back to the concept of them, you know, we're all humans in this. It's the, the, the human desire for security, for stability, um, you know, the, the ability to, you know, climb your Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs. That's a pretty kind of core fundamental one that, you know, if you're an employer, you have to take really, really seriously when, when people join your team. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because in the U S like, I mean, the, the loyalty doesn't exist and it, people are just so willing to jump for a, another job offer. In fact, one time, one time I told one of my people like, Hey, look, you work for me and I'm very public. Like we've had hundreds of thousands of employers use onlinejobs.ph. Um, I send a newsletter three times a week and a hundred thousand people get it. Right. And I said to them, you're going to start facing customers. Now you're going to start interacting with people and they know you work for me. So you're going to start getting job offers. 
And they said, don't worry, sir. I get job offers every day. I'm, I just ignore them. Like, oh, that's sweet. Because I know you're getting job offers that you know are paying you more because they, because people know that you work for me, right? And I talk about how great my people are. And so they just, they'll offer a job, right? And in the Philippines, that's not, it's just, it's just different. It's just different. Well, I, I want to take it back to the, the business of a marketplace. As you said, served, uh, I believe you said hundreds of thousands of, of employers over the, the history of the business. So just take me through, you know, building a marketplace, right? Because um, most people have not successfully ever built an online marketplace. That's actually the vast, you know, probably 99.9% of people. And there are the, you know, kind of truisms, truisms of startup advice or when kind of Uber and Airbnb were blowing up. It's a, you know, two-sided marketplace. You need supply and demand in order to be successful. 2008, 2009, there was no playbook. There was no, you know, maybe you did feel like you had a, a couple models to point to, but there was a lot less, you know, literature or, or Harvard business case studies or anything like that to potentially look at for creating an online marketplace. So how did you navigate your way through it to get the business off the ground? So to me, the key has always been content creation. Getting the people in the Philippines was really easy. Like we, I, I told my team, I had, I think I had six people working for me when we launched it and I had we built it and it was like ready and I had them create profiles inside of it. And I said to them, Hey, what can we do to market this in the Philippines? And they were like, Oh, I can post it on my Friendster, which was the so big social network in the Philippines at the time. And I can put it on classified ads and I can tell my friends. And so, yeah, there's two sides to it. And that's the easy side. And I, I think almost every marketplace has an easy side. Like for Uber and Lyft, getting people to, to pay for a ride when it's cheaper than a taxi, like you just provided me a better, easier way? Sure. So then how do you get drivers? That That's that's the hard part. At least, I, I mean, I don't know their business, right? But that's my, that's my guess. And that's all based around content creation. Um, here's your business opportunity, drive. You know, I mean, this is what you see Uber advertising for, right? Like you can, you can, here's your side hustle right? They, they advertise to the one side. And that's what we did. Um, I created content and education and training and webinars. I mean, th I mean, this was 2000. I started doing webinars in like 2007 before I launched online jobs. I was just teaching it. I've done hundreds of webinars and I've done hundreds of podcasts and I've created hundreds of videos and I don't know that every marketplace is, it has a one side that's easy and one side that's hard, but we only focus on the hard side. So these webinars, what, what can you tell me about running, you know, a webinar that gets people going? Is it just a great lecture, like any great teacher that your ability to both kind of educate and entertain? What else was the, the formula for these webinars to make them effective? Uh, great story. I mean, I have a really, really great, story and lots of great stories about, about a pain point that people have that there's a good solution for that they haven't heard about before. And, 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 you know, it's different than what other people are telling them. You know, people are telling you go to India, people are telling you go to Upwork, hire a contractor. And I'm telling you, no, that's all wrong. And there's a better way. And people are frustrated with those, with those options. Right. And 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 then I have a really good 
like you said, entertaining educational story behind it that the, like, this is my journey and it, and then I've seen that journey thousands of times. So taking it to the kind of macro picture, what inning do you think we're in of people utilizing a tool specifically like online jobs at PH, but more just in general, the outsourcing of, you know, if you want to call it the white collar work or the kind of like, um, you know, the, I would argue we're going in the opposite direction with blue collar where, you know, globalization, free trade, there's kind of things pulling, you know, back towards nationalization right at the same time that, you know, remote work is on the skyrocket. I actually saw, this is the craziest statistic I saw. LinkedIn gave a report that I believe they said 14% of the job, uh, job, uh, jobs posted on their platform are fully remote. But those 14% of jobs get something like 78% of the candidate interest. So there's this like, it's kind of the 80-20 principle, but it's this massive imbalance of what people are looking for and just where the where the puck is still moving. But from your standpoint, having run a job board like this for as long as you have, like where do you see we are in the actual implementation of this as a, uh, a piece of building a, a great business? So every time... Every time I talk to someone that has no idea, like they had no, had no idea that you could hire someone in the Philippines, it shocks me. But, you know, I live in this world and I have 40 people that work for me full time and it's amazing. And um, we're so early still. We're still so early in in the outsourcing side of white collar work. Like we we still think that, no, it ha- you have to hire someone in the U.S. if you want good quality done. It's just not the case at all. And so, I mean, I, I've been at it for a long time. And um, I see people changing every day. But we're still way early. I, I feel the same way. The, the, the nap, there's a Naval Ravikant tweet. He says, you know, free trade, what free trade did to blue collar jobs, remote work will do to white collar jobs. And there's an ominous kind of scary side to that for the folks that have been, you know, either entrenched in these positions or, or you know, really taking exorbitant salaries. But on the flip side, anytime there's that seismic of a change, if you are, you know, a startup or a, a business that can operate in that space in the chaos and be anti-fragile, there's also a lot of opportunity. So I'm not very forward seeing, like I, I, did, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to grow. Like, create. I didn't know that. Right. I'm, I'm not like, you asked me what inning are we in? I don't really know. We're early. But the other side of that, that like, so there's this scary piece of it. Like we're, we're like, people are going to lose their jobs. Right. But the reality is most of what I see is not people losing their jobs. It's creating jobs for other human beings that just happen to live in the Philippines that grows a business until that business then creates jobs in the U.S. And I see this all the time where like hiring a programmer just was out of the reach of most people 10 years ago because you you just can't afford $100,000 a year. You can't afford that commitment Uh, unless you're VC funded. You know, like, you, okay, you've raised capital. All right, you can waste money, right? You can just throw money around. But for most people, entrepreneurs, anything bootstrapped, small business owners, that's not possible. 
but but now it is. And so we see all kinds of creation and growth because, oh, you can get the talent without the cost, and without the commitment, and and then you can grow. And then when you need the when you need something else, something that you need local knowledge, now you can afford someone in the US, right? So that's that's another side of it that I see all the time. And then what about the impact on the, the Filipino economy? Like, I, I have there been emissaries or anyone that reached out to you? Like, yo, this is actually like really meaningful to the local economy in Manila or some of these other, um, you know, metros. So in Manila, no. Manila is too big. Um, but, I mean, I've had a number of government agencies in the Philippines reach out to us and say, like, hey, we want to work with you, what you're doing. Like, And then I know that the government over the years is slowly like creating laws to favor online work. It's, um, it, it's really kind of been interesting their, their reaction to it because the history. So historically the Philippines, their number one export is humans. 10% of the population of the Philippines lives overseas and they're overseas temporarily coming back. They're just working overseas and um, that's changing. And and that's it's really hard on their families. It's hard for their kids. It's hard, you know. Like you're married and you have two kids, and you go work overseas for eight months or four years. That's really hard. And we get them all the time saying, "Hey, I'm on a cruise ship. Can I find a job through you guys? Like, is that possible? Like, yeah, as long as you have internet, you can find a job." And they want to go back home. So, I mean, we're we're definitely seeing it change local economies. And then just one of my, one of my team members recently just wrote. So one of the people that works for me writes, she writes my newsletter. Um, and she wrote about how developing areas like rural agriculture areas are changing because of the op, the opportunity for remote work where you may be smart, but you just have no opportunity where you are. And now you have the same opportunity as someone in Makati where you just have to have an internet connection and a computer. And that person had opportunity before and you have opportunity now, the same opportunity through online remote work. That's powerful. And I, I do think that there is a degree, um, I, I agree with the sentiment of creating you know, jobs by, by building a business with more bodies. There is also a degree to which though, um, if, if you're young and see a 40 year you know, career in front of you in some way, shape or form, like recognizing how much competition is entering the market that otherwise just couldn't even couldn't even get out there and compete. Um, someone like me, like my background's in sports, that fires me up. But at the same time, like you have to acknowledge that 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 is the the uh, pool in which you're jumping into uh, here in the 2020s. Especially if you're especially if you're getting into programming or or you want to build websites or you want to be a video editor or you know, like there, man. Yeah, it's design work, you know, like it, there, there's room at the top, top in those. Otherwise, like you're a, a moderate, a mediocre programmer. Like, I mean, there's jobs, but man, so many of those jobs, it's so easy to hire someone in the Philippines for a thousand bucks a month. So my, my last question, just it, it, it's really general business advice. It doesn't even necessarily have to be specific to, to Filipinos, but 
delegating and seeding control when in the earliest stages you had this programmer that was helping you to build the website, but you said now you know, you're someone who's writing the newsletter for you, taking all these tasks off your plate. And there's, there's kind of one side of the table, which is, hey, these are the things that I have to do to keep the business running that I hate. I'm happy to give it to someone who's as good or better and, and willing to do it for me so I don't have to have my energy drained in that regard. And then on the other hand, there's the things that, you know, rightly as a, a you know, a, a model of self-awareness or wrongly out of ego, you think that you're the only one that can do that's the only thing that you can, you can handle. So how have you navigated that? Because one of the other things that you, you say on your website here is you've, you've scaled this business, built this business now that serves hundreds of thousands of companies while working about 17 hours a week and getting at least mediocre at golf. So one of the things I'm really motivated by is time freedom. Um, like financial freedom, fine. I mean, I'm motivated by that. Most people are. Um, And there's a lot of people that are financially free, but very, very few of them have time. And so that's always been a motivator to me. I'm not sure why, but so in my decision-making process, one of the things that I always look at in any step of the business is who's going to have to do this work? Is it me or is it someone else? Could someone else do it? Because if it's me, here's this business opportunity. Oh, I see this. This could be a really big business. This could be a really big part of our business. I think people often feel like it has to all happen at once. Like you got to delegate everything or, or not. And to me, it was a, it was really a step-by-step process. And let me just tell you like the first time, the very first time, so I hired this guy, I mean, from the agency, the first person I hired, I hired him to do this marketing process for me. And this is, this is 2005. So we're writing articles and posting them on, on article directories. And, and so I hire him, he writes the first article and it was terrible. And that was, that, this is my first attempt at delegation. Like I'm writing the articles. I hate doing it, but I know it's super effective. So I hire him. It's terrible. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. But let me try it again. And so I end up teaching him over a couple of weeks. Like, no, here's how we write the articles. Here's how we, here's how we create the sources. Here's, here's the structure. Here's, here's how we do the headers. Here's how we do the resource. Box. I, I end up teaching him all this stuff. And it took me way longer to teach it than it did for me to do it. But in that, he learns, he learns SEO and he learns how our websites work and he learns how we promote and he learns all these things about it as I'm teaching him how to do this article. So if I'm teaching him these other things at the same time, right? At the time, it's, it's actually probably like break even on time where it's taking me longer to teach him how to do this than just to write an article. But then he's writing things and he's, he's doing things. And so that delegation, I'm just saying it, it's not going to happen perfectly the first time. and it's probably going to be a little bit painful, but that was 2005. He still works for me today. When I need anything done, I mean, I, I've taught him hundreds of things. And he's taught other people how to do these things since then, right? So that one delegation has paid off like a thousand times over. And over time, I just got more and more confident with like, oh, I could get someone to do this. I'm pretty sure I could get someone to do this. So like writing my newsletter was one of those things that, man, this is so personal. And you're going to have to write in my voice and it still has to be personal to me. But I, I think I could do it. And so I, it, it took me like six months of going back and forth and her writing and, and me editing and and I took my time from like two and a half hours a week to half an hour a week 
of of newsletter time. And man, that's two hours back in my life. And it took me time to create that two hours, but we're really good at it now. It's really good. Yeah. And, and just back to that concept of the, the team members that have been with you for so long, you know, and, and my interest in sports, there are teams, you know, across history that did not have the most talent, but they had the most chemistry and the most context with one another and weren't all stars thrown together, but were, you know, a cohesive group that complemented one another and kind of knew each other so well. It's like, oh, I already know where he's, I'm throwing it before he even goes there because I know where, uh, you know, how he's going to act in that situation. And really what you're tar- articulating is th- there's education there, there's training, um, but there's also so much context where it's understood because of how many times those conversations have occurred that you're able to really go further together. So one of the things I talk about when hiring people, people so often think they're hiring a skill. Like, no, you're hiring a person, you're hiring a personality. And so when, when you're going to hire someone, hiring someone with skills is important. Sure. But more important than that is how well do you work together with them? Because you're going to work for a long time. And if I don't care how talented they are, if you cringe when you get an email from them because they rub you the wrong way, man, this isn't going to work. And that's, that's like one of the big mistakes I see people make is, no, I just need a, no, you don't just need a, a skill. Like you, you have to, you have to find a person and, and then that's where, that's where like, yeah, she can write my newsletter because we mesh really, really well. Um, it's a person. Amen. Beautiful note to wrap up on here, John. Uh, I want to ask our standard last two questions. Anything else you're hoping to share today though, that didn't give you a chance to. If you want to know how I hire people, like how I recruit, how I, how I weed people out, what I do in my job posts to, to make it easier for me. I go, I cover the entire process at one VAOA.com. That's like, I mean, it's $49. It's super, super affordable. I just do it to get the word out. Um, it's me walking you through step-by-step how to hire someone quickly and easily. I had someone contact me and said, me and my team have spent well over 200 hours and we're still struggling to find someone good. I'm like, dude, you are doing this wrong because this should not take you more than two to three hours total period from start to hire. There's no reason to do more than that if you're doing it right. So that's one VAOA.com. That's like, and that's a good tagline, good title to a, to a business. It's very, you know, very quickly go from not knowing what it is to how it can help. Beautiful. We're going to link all that in the show notes. People can find it. Go to slash podcast or in the podcast app where you're probably listening to this right now. Before I let you go though, John, I would like to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Hiring is a, is a leap of faith for most people. Like if you haven't hired someone before, it's a leap. And if you have hired someone before, you haven't done it in the Philippines, it's a leap, right? You got to take the leap. And so, because you don't know if what I said is going to work for you. Like, can you actually find someone talented who's loyal and honest and hardworking and they're $800 a month for full-time work? Can you actually, so the only way to know, and this is my challenge is go write a job post on onlinejobs.ph. It's free. Just post a job and see what happens. See if you get applications, because if it, once you get applications, the ball's rolling and it's so easy to hire someone talented once you do that, but you have to post the job. And the job post is seriously um, title, 
description, salary. That's really it. It's super duper simple to post a job and then the ball's rolling and you have like change happening, progress happening in your business. I love it. I hope everyone will take it. Uh, I've taken it in the past and benefited from it. So uh, thank you for building that marketplace, John. And thank you for taking your time to be on the show. Thanks for having me. We just went deep with John Jonas. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to the end of my interview with John. If you want to hear about another impressive, fully remote business, check out our recent past interview with Sarah Macon of Macon Wellness. She's scaled her remote mental health company to more than 50 employees, millions of revenue in just five years. She talks about getting sales, having a vision for a company, and a whole lot more. Check it out.